Hey guys, welcome to Gino's Golden Tea Podcast. I am the Alpha Chris Long Gino, recording here from beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. Hope everybody's having a great week, recovering from Nashville. Last night, went through pretty much a bottle of wine podcasting with Brian Bernhardt. And Matt Van Hoosier, just reacting a little bit to some of the Nashville stuff, recapping our fantasy picks. Um, got a new segment, too. You'll get to hear it all. Uh, it was great. Looked like a great tournament, historic tournament. And uh, won't waste your time anymore. Let's get started. Here's Matt. Here's Brian. All right, taping this on a Tuesday night. Fresh off his trip to Nashville, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mid Music City Madness Open. With me, as always, the inaugural Players Charity Champion, Brian Bernhardt, and current president of the National Golden Tea Tour presented by Power Events, Matt Van Hoosier. I don't know what, how I'm going to introduce you once you lose the seat, because Casey Mattingly's got this in the bag come next election. I, I, he, he, does, he does. I hope you stay away from Casey's bitch. Other than that, we're probably good. My goodness. <laughs> Yeah, good All evening, right. Dino. Uh, thank you for joining me, Bernsey. Uh, we can tell a little bit. There's a little bit of recovery in your voice this time, man. Yeah, you know, and it's a, a combination of just a you know long weekend in Nashville. I uh, didn't get downtown until Sunday night, and that's the story for another time. But um, it, I did a lot of called a lot of matches, played a lot of golden tea on Sunday, you know, and uh, didn't get as much sleep as I would have like to have gotten but who am i kidding that never really happens anyway so it's uh yeah it's day two of recovery 41 years old and i'll be back to things probably tomorrow night still at it man uh yeah, just, yeah day and a half two days same, same age burns you day and a half two days seems yeah. about right it's depending on how the uh well, how early i had to get up monday for the trip back right uh the driver well monday i mean is. And, and and real quick uh, going back to yesterday you know had a lot of helping hands getting out of there you know it, you know russ um, not feeling hundred percent throughout the weekend. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly Ambrose was, was there helping out. I helped out, uh, Evan helped out a little bit, actually helped Evan helped out a lot. Uh, and then, um, wow. Will Sansa was there helping out a couple of the local guys, you know, Puzzle Gus was there and another guy. So we had like eight guys oh, moving awesome. things around in the morning. They, they were on the road by noon. Yeah. That My makes plane didn't leave till sure. 540. Yeah. yeah cool. it, it was great. So, so I didn't have, I had a late flight. I got home at about 1110 last night. So Ooh. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it'll be Thursday by the time I'm ready. Yeah, maybe Thursday. <laughs> that uh, that first day back at work off after a golden determined is always the worst one for me. I mean, it's just I was trying to get my system back into a after going through thirty boy boy I guess seventy two hours of just you know staying in that bar and or a hotel room. It's just it's a constant grind, and then when you finally it takes you a couple of days to get back going. At least it always has for me, but you know, well, kinda, you have to. Yeah, and for you know, obviously a three, four days, whatever it is, you know, as the volume in, or as the alcohol increases, the volume increases. So you're talking louder the whole weekend, and you know, when I was doing Calcutta's quite a bit, right? I was talking a lot for those, oh, and yeah, so I'd get back sure. to work that first day, and it sounded like I'd been chewing gravel all freaking weekend. <laughs> and my coworkers <laughs> like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> never mind, never mind. I'll be better by tomorrow yeah. or the next day. It'll be fine. <laughs> before we uh, before we get starting talking about you know some of the performances in nashville bernsey uh purple bracket win just uh I, I i 
I remember looking at the payout sheet of on Stubble's computer after Andy Fox won that Houston purple bracket. And I remember him telling him, it's like, this may be the most lucrative purple bracket you'll ever see. And then I saw the Nashville tournament and I don't know. It <laughs> might, uh, can, can, uh, Brian, it's up to you. You don't have to tell people what you won for first place in purple bracket, but first place Calcutta money, first place. I mean, that's it, a pretty good day at the office. If you ask me. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, I think it's public knowledge. It was, uh, it was 600 for the first place in purple, which is, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's pretty good. You know, I mean, the, you got to make sure that you, you reward the people in the main bracket for, for making the top 32. And so, for, and I know that um, they're, they're working on, uh, you know, they, as, with that many people there and getting some of the payouts down in pink, you know, I mean, if, if you want to make the big bucks, you got to make the main bracket. You know, I was just happy to have another opportunity to play some matches, you know, and the Calcutta money was, uh, I mean, it was 1650 for first. I had half myself went for 350. So, so that was, that was eight and a quarter. Oh, nice so yeah, oh, yeah. So, so not too shabby but i mean and as far as the weekend goes you know i uh, and we can talk a little bit more about nashville and the location in a minute but um i was i was on a good machine i was on one of the stream machines i was with you know brad baird and kyle heasley for those that weren't watching and um the group after us was was haas and Nuss meyer and benjamin kidd and and we were rolling along getting our you know every hour hour and 10 minutes we're playing the next match you know so we were done by 6 30 when more than half of the rest of the machines weren't getting done until after nine o'clock. So I agree. I just didn't play good on Saturday. Every single course, the only one I did well on was on say um, when I shot, you know, par with it, with a chip in on a, on, eight, on 14, but um, I went like 55 holes without getting a great shot. It was just one of those days where I just, I wasn't playing it's conservative. So frustrating. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just, so I just, frustrating when that happens. I couldn't get close. And I think the worst part about it is, is I, I think I checked myself out after Monte and I, I was 78 after three, which was the cut line. I shot a 25 on Monte and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. I'm going to purple. I'm still going to try. I'm still going to have fun. You know, and then looking back, I, I missed the cut by three strokes. I shoot a 25 on pine. You know, if I, if I go, you know, birdie Eagle on, uh, 17 and 18 and I well I probably just miss it because I wouldn't have had enough great shot points obviously but, <laughs> but there's I could look at every, I could look at every course but on say and just think of, of mistakes that I've made but you know that's kind of the norm for me I don't usually I haven't qualified well for several years now I there's been several tournaments to where I've been watching the cut line in, in the fifth I've, I've squeaked into like 7 27th or 25th um, I succeed on Sunday so I, I need to make some adjustments to my my game on Saturday uh um, and I was just lucky enough on Sunday to, you know, I usually don't look at the bracket. I usually just show up and I, I, I go one by one. And, and on Sunday, I'm like, all right, like if I'm going to be down here, I'm, I'm on the, I'll be honest with you. I, I still have a bad taste in my mouth from what happened in Wisconsin when I watered 17 on Temple. Yeah. I had a two-stroke lead against Stimper. Um, I felt I had that in the bag, had a bad shot. And although I didn't feel I, just, I should have been in that bracket, I'm like, the, if there's anybody that I was happy that that got first, it was Kirk, you know um yeah great dude but still every time i come up to hole 17 on hidden temple i replay that shot in my head so you know i looked at my my little bracket there in the bottom and i'm like all right um i don't know a whole lot of these names there's jason vidori you know there's a chance i play him in a few matches if i if i win and he loses his first match and then and i started looking further on the bracket and uh um really wasn't too worried as long as i played my game played better than i played on saturday i felt pretty confident 
Well, and, and you talked about being able to roll through your, your qual matches. That's In that situation, it's almost a blessing and a curse, right? You like to get in that groove. You like to get in the roll there. But if you're two courses ahead of everybody like that, you're just left to wonder whether you need to try to chase a few or not. If, whereas if you're coming in there at 8 o'clock, 8.30, finish up your match, you kind of know where everybody's at, and you can have a little bit better idea of um, – of what you need to do on that last course potentially. So I, yeah, you don't really want to stretch it out too long because you just get cold and it's just, you're out of sync the whole time, but you go too fast and you're, and you're kind of, and you're not really rolling as good as you want to, like you're saying, then and that can get bad in a hurry too. Oh yeah. You're, you're exactly right, Matt. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're finishing up on pine and, and Steve Sobel's announcing the winner from the second round, you know, and it's yeah. like, I've got it, just one of those things where, I mean, it usually would be to my advantage. And uh, these are all just little things that I can replay almost every qualifier in my head I've been to in the last few years. And I'll tell you what, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be making some adjustments for uh, stop number five here in a few weeks. Well, you're going to need it. Uh, well, well, we were just, uh, <laughs> we were just there today. And I was thinking about the qualifier because, well, first off, when did it, when, when did it finally end, Brian? What time? I think there were some games, some machines about 10 o'clock, you know, and, and this oh. is, it, and it's one of those things to where, you know, power vending brought 16 machines, you know, and we could have put machines in other places, but, but no, I'm sorry, not 16, 22. They had the, the, the right 16, now, yeah. the 16 term, but yeah. So they have, uh, 22 machines plus five on location. So we had, we had 27 total machines, a lot of, you know, I don't know how it worked out having a three and three, but there was not, no machine had less than three people. There was some, you know, Paul Luna was, was on a, four, yeah. in a foursome with uh, some people that um, uh, some people he probably never even met before. It, it's cool that it gives them an opportunity to play with, with one of the best guys that are, to ever play the game. Um, but that might've impacted what that might've been why he wasn't more than 142 and qualified seventh. you know, that's the, the pace of play, um, which However, he is used to that slower pace on Sunday because he's sitting around waiting because he keeps on winning. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it kind well, of goes they, both they, ways right there. That group got switched on to one of the stream machines after you guys were done, too. Oh, so did they? they showed yeah, up the, on that stream the, the Luna, the Luna and I will, uh, I will say, yeah, you, you talk about pace to play. As you're watching the qualifier, and I mean, I've been watching on and off most of the days. Mm. I'd seen all the five courses, so I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention, but it just seemed like it was a lot of, hey, your turn, your turn. Oh, come on. Right. So, uh, and, and he, go ahead. I was saying, and as you guys both know, as you get later on the day, the alcohol is slowing a little bit more and people are social butterflies are walking around and chatting. And, and when you get in those foursomes, you know, you, you might have, it, I don't know, it, you just never know where the balls are going to be in the fairway and on the green. And you just always keep your eyes on the game and know that it might be your turn coming up next. Yeah. Now, Mr. President, I've heard Sobel say this and confirm this with me. Uh, when they do the math, uh, their, their math for how they operate tournaments or what they would prefer is five people per machine, five people per every machine that's in there. For the, for the whole, for the whole weekend. Yeah. Once yeah. you, you uh, kind of, you know, people shuffle in, people shuffle up for dinner early in the day, you know, it kind of, it makes it so you don't bring too many. Uh, Cause mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to necessarily do that either. That's not a, that's not a good thing to do is carry extra weight and gas mileage. And you know, that's all that stuff. So uh, maintenance on those machines, but but yeah, five is probably probably about right. Um, and then obviously the, the bottleneck for that is absolutely going to be the qualifier because you, everybody's going to be there, right? That's well, like the one time all weekend that everybody's going to be there and need to play other than, you know, warming up on a, on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, right? Where just, you know, everybody kind of cooperates then, but that qualifier is always the bottleneck, yeah. 
So, I mean, just if, if you had a, I mean, if you had three on three every uh, every machine, you had 27 machines in Nashville, it comes to 162. So that left 15 people to fill in 15 more groups as foursomes. Right. Um, not quite what we had at the NIV, the final NIV, where the last one finally finished at midnight. Um, but seeing... NIV is kind of a unique situation where they're, you know, they bringing more machines wasn't going to be a viable answer because you got to have somewhere to put them. Uh, and as much as we all love the bean, that, that place yeah. isn't built to hold, you know, 170 people like that. Yeah. For um, my first shameless, first of 50,000 shameless plugs I'll make about the Carolina Clash up from now until then on this podcast. <laughs> uh, today I was talking to Billy and Mike Muse. I went down there uh, today. Uh, we were meeting. Congrats yeah. on them on combining to finish five courses in the qualifier, by the way. Oh, I was, well, no, they didn't. No, they did not finish the qualifier. They said they no. were in pink. They between only the did, two of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Between the two of them. Yeah. Mike, they, Mikey got three courses in and Billy got two. Yeah. And then <laughs> they, they decided to go downtown. It's like, we're in pink. Let's go downtown. <laughs> got, and, uh, you know, they were just being Billy and Mike. Went down there and talked to them today. Uh, and we've got it arranged now to where, with us and combine the tour, we'll have at least 28 there. And then we have actually five and seven, five to seven more that we can probably bring in. So, um, and, and Gina, while you're bringing that up, the, the space won't be an issue because, because we were yeah. talking about that in Nashville and, you know, me being there last year. And I know that, you know, one room was a little bit, you know, uh, the, 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 the platform area by the bar or whatever, there was however machines up there. And yeah. I do remember the room where the stream was set up. There's a lot of open space in there. And then there was talk that, that there's another room. So can you maybe paint the picture for those that are listening? Just let, let them know how, that there is going to be enough room for all those machines? Yeah, yeah, no, we, we were looking at it today um, and, and just kind of eyeballing some things. One, just to be absolutely clear, we are moving everything out of Callaway's. Everything. And so we are, the, the tournament is the priority of the bar this weekend. Uh, we kind of counted it out. Um, 32 would be probably the absolute i mean max i would feel comfortable putting in there now packing five people per machine six people whatever per and then everybody look we'll need people maybe just to step outside for a little bit you know just because uh so it doesn't get too crowded in there but i think we're fine on room as far as well we're, we're going to make this work i it's going to work just fine um well, as far as people stepping out, a lot of times, you know, the, the, the players that like to smoke and stuff like that, they'll go out there and hang out anyways. And yeah, see, for sure. kinda, for, to some uh, extent, that takes care of itself. As you yeah, go. and maybe throw a can, uh, like, a, like, a, like a tent or something out back, too, for guys that like to hang out back, too. There, there's that. So, uh, but no, we'll, we'll be test. just fine at the Clash. Um, and we'll, I got plenty more to talk about it. Now, new segment we're going to start doing uh, after these tournaments is who won the tournament? All right, just to list again. Now, we all know who won the tournament. No secret there. All right, but there's also guys that, you know, may have finished better. Whatever reason they be, we're saying, who won the tournament? And we're going to go around. we got a few of these for you. So, Matt Van Hoosier, who won the tournament? So, I got I got a couple here. You, you asked us to do a couple. Yeah, just uh, do, start with one, one right now. Start, one start, with, start with one, yeah. All right. Well, I'm, gonna, I, I'm going first. I'm going to take the obvious one, right? Uh, Juan Putt, Mark Gomez. Yeah. Uh, have a weekend, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, you know, we, we did the St. Louis thing where Nick Fernandez and Dave Sandmeyer, these guys, right? They had a great run on Sunday. Mark was an all weekend domination mode. 
right? Overall top qualifier, rolling through the bracket, damn near making king of the hill. I mean, and I, I didn't see if you got CTP or, or money shot money at all, or if he was even there. But I think uh, if you're talking about somebody who won the weekend, uh, you know, Team Wisconsin already, already comes out to have fun. And so, you know, that was going to happen. Yeah. And then a great Saturday and a great Sunday. I mean, congrats, Mark. I was, you were rolling, buddy. Yeah. Brian Bernhardt, who won the weekend? Who won the tournament? Well, I'm, I, I got a few names here. Um, Cross one of them off the list because Mark was one of those names. I assume that somebody else would pick him. But, yeah, um, I, I looked at his numbers and he uh, um, just had a great weekend. You know, we could talk about a little bit more later, kind of something that might have happened, you know, during the weekend. But um, that, that fourth place finish, you know, you always talk about those podiums, Gino, you know, making the podium, being that number one qualifier. It, it, no matter what happens throughout the rest of his Golden Tee career, he'll always know that he was the number one qualifier at a tournament in Nashville of 177 players. That's something that to be very proud of. Did he win a course, but, too? Did he, did he win a course on the uh, I think he went in the did. second yeah. or third yeah, course. So. Uh, okay. All right. And so uh, being top qualifier also and with winning a course, that's $50 a piece in Golden D oh. gift card for power. And, so And the course he won wasn't the one that he shot 32 under on. I mean, what yeah. a way to start. To, you start your, your qualifier off on the 32. Yeah, you get beat by the bulldozer Evan Gossett by two strokes on that one, the four better. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that just I, not enough to say about this play this weekend. Yeah, but but since I didn't, but since you already gave that name, I, I'll give another one of mine here, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to start out with with Brittany Casper. Ah, oh, that was my second one. Ha ha. She was qualifying next to me, and uh, I got a chance to watch her play, and she's damn good. She she hits the ball great. Just I mean, uh, got a chance to talk with her a little bit um, after everything. Uh, you know, it was her birthday on Sunday. You know, she was so proud of, of how she did all weekend long and then to just uh um yeah you, you could I, I could see she felt it we were in a weird corner all right so where we were there was a machine that was on the wall next to us so there wasn't a whole lot of room for people to move around so there was a time where she didn't have a whole lot of places to kind of stand around and and kyle politely is like oh would you mind going over there well the problem is if she went over there then she's standing in front of whoever's shooting on their machine. Sure. So when we came up uh, um, to play in the next round where she was standing, I'm like, hey, I'm like, you're good. Like, don't, don't worry about moving, Neil. Make yourself comfortable <laughs> at home. You know, keep playing your game. But uh, I, I I don't know how many more tournaments she's going to end up going to down the road. I know this was like her birthday weekend. And it was in Nashville and all that. I think with the experience that she had, um, there's going to be more in her future plans. And I don't think she'll be in the pink bracket again. I mean, I could see her being in the purple bracket, winning some matches. I can't wait to see her name on that fancy golf list and people picking her to win. Well, and, and the other thing that was really cool about that was leading into the tournament there, uh, you know, posting up stuff on the fan, you know, she's asking questions, trying to get herself familiar with what's what she's about to get into, right? She's not done mm-hmm. it before, but you could just kind of tell that she was super excited to go do this. And then, yeah. you know, her 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 and her and her boyfriend, her husband, I'm not she sure. She another, right. But they just like, hey, come trucking down. How many freaking hours from Michigan it is? I don't know, 10, 10 and a half hours of the driving. And that's 10 and a half hours. You just get to sit there and Goodness. think about it, right? <laughs> you're just going to yeah. think about what you're about to go do. And then they got the same experience on the way back. And I can't imagine. I, I have a feeling that that 10 and a half hour drive back probably felt like four. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and, and like I said, I got a chance to talk to both of them afterwards. And, and they were just elated. They, they had the smiles on their faces. They were just, 
so happy to be there, be a part of the event, uh, see what it's all about firsthand. And, and one of the things that we always talk about, whether it's on this podcast or when we're calling stuff on the stream, is letting people know why they should go to these tournaments. And I, I think the, the next spokesperson to convince people why they should go could be Brittany. I mean, I, it was very obvious how much fun she had and how she was just welcomed in the community, just like another player. So kudos yeah, to her. You got to love hearing stories like that, really. Uh, th- th- that's how you get a person in the community for life right there. Um, can I tell you why Danny Boy won the tournament? Sure. Yeah, yeah, 9-12. You wouldn't think a 9-12. Best finish since he won Denver. He's not had anything that good that, since he won Denver. That long. Yeah. And uh, for, yeah, I, I looked at the tournament record. He plays in world championships with us. Um, Danny's an accomplished player for a lot of years. A Team USA member. Um, a very respectable Golden Teak career, I believe. Um, but since, since the final Denver tournament, not really swinging it much uh, from there. 9-12. Danny Boy, I think, kind of won the tournament this year. Matt, who won the next, who won the tournament? Evan Scanlon. Evan Scanlon, I think. Uh, I didn't double check it, but I think this was his first main cut. Uh, and any tournament you make a main cut these days is a big one. If you do it in the biggest tournament PGT's ever had uh, at that time, and that's your first made cut after like three tournaments, maybe you win the tournament. Good job, Evan. Um, um, as I fact check, you know, I believe he did make the cut in Wisconsin. I'm, I'm oh, double well, checking. Hey, you know what? But the, uh, 177 people. Go on. Yeah, yeah, and I and and I'm, I'm gonna tack on to that. Evans having quietly a really good year, um, and he's played in three tournaments so far. Um, he's 30th in points right now, which in this time of year, if you're going to play the Clash and then you're going to go play Dallas. 30th place, right that, that's not a terrible place to be right now. Uh, and he's going to go play in a in a field at the Clash that is not going to be as strong. It will have as many people, but it will not be as strong in the last two that he's played in. Um, so I have him as one of my winners too, but that's another pick. Brian, who won the tournament? Well, he was one of those names I was looking to put down. So, I, I mean, uh, I, I I do Great agree with you, Matt. Like yeah, I know. I, but I um, – I kind of went along the same, you know, idea here, but I did do my fact checking actually. And Arthur DeVries making his first main bracket and also getting his first win versus a great player at a Jade McGillum. So out of, out of Indy. So, so yeah, Arthur making his first bracket, getting his first gold win, uh, a guy that one of the most passionate guys in golden tee, he loves the game. And, uh, um, it, it's good to see you didn't go into a lot of tournaments the last couple of years, and it's it's good to see him finally main, make the main bracket and get a win. Well, and and just to back that point up, right? Um, getting your first gold bracket victory, Bernsey. You remember who your first gold back bracket victory was against? I'm gonna guess his name was Matt Van Hoosier, but I don't know. <laughs> I remember mine. Mine was Scott Zollers. Uh, Gino. Oh, wow. Tommy Shives. And. Th- Tommy Shy. So yeah, you kind of talked on that last one too. So my point being, we've all, our first tournament was what, 17, 18, 19, whatever years ago at this point. Yeah. We remember, you know, it's <laughs> oh, a big yeah. deal. It's a big deal. Um, and you also took another one of my winners because I, I was going to say Atlanta won this tournament. All right. And for Art, let me tell you just kind of where he's at. And, you know, he's 47th in points. He will play the clash. I have no doubt he will go to Dallas. Um, is that two, two tournaments or three, Gino? Uh, th- he's had – this is his third. That was his third? Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. Okay. He ended up with a thirty. He was in Milwaukee. I remember that. Yeah. yeah he had yeah. a thirty. He had a thirty pointer. He missed the cut in uh, Florida, and then make you make the cut. Two hundred points. Two hundred. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and fifteen mm-hmm. very valuable points. Oh, so if the if this first was a thirty pointer, then yeah, Clash plus Dallas is just adding on. He's not dropping any scores there. Yeah. 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 So and, it, and it, so he's play to your play to your ability. You're in, buddy. Uh, if he if he he, he needs a good clash. He's one of those guys we'll talk about that really needs a good clash uh, in order to get himself into that last 32. Um, you want Anybody want to know how good of a year Gary Sheldon's having? You know, three out of four cuts this year, uh, quietly mm-hmm. having just a really good year. Uh, I, I just have it up right now uh, with a made cut in, I think he went one and two in Florida, a 13-16 Missouri. I mean, sorry, one and two in wisconsin two and two in I'm trying to get this right two and two in florida miscut and then he had a really good weekend he was uh seven eight no nine twelve anyways nine twelve he's right in the thick of this points thing i've been looking at the points here 16th uh in points quietly having a good year i think gary Sheldon kind of won this tournament um anymore else anybody who won the tournament Honorable mention, I'm going to give Jabe Miguel. I'm still holding that 7-8 in his back pocket from Wisconsin, making a cut here. He's right in the thick of the points. Um, well, and and he was on the stream with his in the Andy Haas match. It kind of went south on him. But he had a stroke on Andy uh, early in that match. Um, oh, yeah? When they were playing on Anse, I think it was. I might, might be misremembering. But, yeah, I mean, Jade's, Jade's uh, come a long way in a little bit of time. Right, so and I think he's I think he's one of these guys that used to be in his own head a bunch when he's playing, but he's mm-hmm. he's he's fixed that. He doesn't it doesn't seem like he's quite like that anymore. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit with Jeremy last podcast and a couple other guys, but he used to be that way for sure. And I think that he's kind of figuring it out now. Yeah, so I would expect to see him continue to do what he's been doing. Um, all right. Now to this point. Who lost the tournament? Bernsey, who lost the tournament? Well, I'll start with a name that mm-hmm. we spoke about him the last time. We, we spoke about this gentleman last time about how he has a lot of potential. He just has to get it out of his head. And that person, and, and I talked to him this past weekend, it's, uh, it's Derek Montgomery. Yeah. I, 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 he's such a good guy and he's got so much talent and mm-hmm. He had an opportunity in in a field, you know, Nashville. I mean, you got 177 players. You're going to have a, a really solid field. Um, but he, there, there's guys that made the main bracket that I know that he could beat at least more than five out of ten times, and it would have been a real good opportunity for him. And and I know that he had a little too much on Saturday. You know, um, I, I think one, one thing, and this is one of the things that we talked about in the last time. Uh, when he decides to prioritize, you know, doing well in a tournament over having a good time for the weekend, until that happens, he's going to find himself where he's at in these events. Uh, I just uh, he I I'd heard a little bit about it. He he got a little overserved, and that's what happens when you hang with the Muse Brothers. Just let me let me go. Anybody that wants to try to hang with the Muse Brothers, go ahead. At your own risk, okay? <laughs> but honestly, you're playing with fire. But anybody that looks at those two guys and be like, you know, I think I can hang with them. No, no. <laughs> You've already got a screw loose. No, you're out of your mind. 
and uh, you know he got himself a little overserved. Uh, one thing he did do is he battled his way through a purple bracket. He actually got thirteen sixteen in purple bracket. He told me he got fifty bucks for it, which is uh, when we talk about these tournaments starting to pay out a little bit more. We're starting to see it a little more, bit more. Thirteen sixteen in my lifetime has never paid in purple, and he got fifty right. bucks. So that's you know, a little bit saving grace. But I get what you're saying. Also, some of it's in. I, I, I love. That. I mean, and, and, and the people that we're going to mention here, we mm. love these guys. This is going to be like the hardest part about the pod is calling some of our friends out, you know. Absolutely. But, but, but we we got to be real and, and maybe in a good opportunity, some of these names that might pop up here, a little bit of a wake up call. Maybe yeah. they'll say, you know what, I want to be who won the tournament on the next podcast. Yeah. Matt Van Hoosier, who lost the yeah. tournament. I, I first, I'm seconding what Burns just said. This this is tough, man. This I. I'm not one to call up my friends uh, unless they're doing something really, really stupid. These guys aren't doing something stupid, right? They had a bad weekend, um, and so this is painful. Uh, I'm going to start start it off with my with my uh, group five fantasy pick, Jason Graham. Oh, Jason Graham. I didn't. I mean, he wasn't on the stream, uh, but he he was he went pink, uh, and I typed him up uh, as some guy who's just constantly making main brackets, which is what he's been doing. Uh, so I don't know what happened. I wasn't there, Burnsy. Maybe you can shed some light if you know. But he was—he was not even. It wasn't like oh, he missed it just barely. He missed it by point. I mean, he was several strokes under the line for for the pink. So uh, that's obviously not playing to his capability even remotely. So uh, yeah, Jason Graham uh, lost lost the tournament a little bit this weekend. Now, one thing I can I can add to that, and it, and this isn't one of those things where you know being overserved was was involved at all. We we talked a little bit on Monday morning. Actually, he had a, a later flight as well. And I also talked to him, I believe, Friday night a little bit. And um, I remember him saying something about a work thing on Saturday. So I don't know. He, he had something he had to take care of in the middle of the qualifier that he couldn't put off. So I don't know if that happened or if that, you know, derailed him in any way. Um, and he just, uh, I think he had one, one course with a bad qualifier. And if you have that one course with a bad qualifier, if you have that early on enough in the qualifier, yeah, you really lose that motivation to try really hard the last couple three courses. So um, timing certainly matters. I have to look, yeah, I mean, uh, all of a sudden you start carrying less and less and less, and you know, before you know it, it's like, well, well, I guess I'm in the bank, and I think that's just kind of how it all panned out for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ryan Sparks, who's my guest uh, later on this week for Mobile. Um, he so he he was pulling. He was one of the guys that were pulling double duty. You know, he was one of the yeah. guys playing the mobile and also playing uh, qualifying for the tournament. And from what I was led to believe that before the tournament, he was kind of uh, lifting some golden TRK weights to try to get himself uh, ready for this tournament. Um, and uh, it kind of hurt his mobile game maybe a little bit. Also, having to play match play after the qualifier kind of hurt his mobile game maybe a little bit. And then, uh, and then kind of underperformed in the purple bracket for somebody of his caliber. So... Uh, Ryan Sparks, not his best tournament. Uh, Bernsey, who lost the tournament. Well, and I'd like to add to that too a little bit. Also, I mean, uh, you, you know, you're not, you don't play mobile, right, Matt? You're not playing any. Nope. No. Okay. So, 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 Gino. Yeah. Going from arcade to mobile, it's it's different. It's it's. I mean, and and the other thing too. I don't know he knew he wasn't one of the better guys playing mobile there. I had the opportunity to call one of his matches against Hugh Jasshole. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was I, me and me and Trump had, had a great time with that one. 
but the the thing also was they're they're hit they're playing their match on iPads and he plays on his mobile device. So yeah. without getting too much into all, all the mobile stuff, all those little mobile things that go on, um, I just I, there was a couple other things that was kind of going on which we've learned about the last couple of days, you know, the scheduling and all that. So mm-hmm. I I I feel it'd be safe to assume that um, some of the scheduling with the mobile maybe conflicted with his arcade game um not that that's an excuse by any means but it was not the ryan sparks that we're used to seeing in a tournament i'll ask Um, him i'll ask him on the podcast this week yeah i'd be curious so the the next guy is um i'm gonna i'm gonna put my foot in my mouth first and i'm gonna say hey shout out to kyle for making the cut after i (laughs) called you out and saying that you wouldn't and then congrats to you for owning it, Bernsey. Yeah, but then you make the cut. I qualified with him, and he played really well. And he's a solid shooter uh, under no, no matter how much he's had to consume. He's just a, a really great player, just has a great pace of play. And then he goes 0-2 in the gold bracket, and this weekend's over. So, um, Kyle, you're better than that. I want to <laughs> see you win this tournament on the next podcast. <laughs> uh he should be a good one for the clash uh maddie who lost the tournament uh this isn't a specific person but dnfing your qualifier is starting it's starting to lose the tournament all right it it's <laughs> happened it's been happening it's happened for a very long time right Overserved on saturday don't feel on saturday whatever but uh for whatever reason the last this, it was this tournament and the Orlando tournament specifically where I've gotten uh, players come up to me uh, on both sides of this coin where uh, they get there on Sunday and all of a sudden they're playing somebody that is four strokes better than them because they didn't finish their qualifier and they dropped a bracket or whatever. Yeah. That's um, a rough situation, right? It, it, everybody's got, everybody's got, everybody's got their own thing going on. Uh, I would like to think that nobody's doing that for any poor purposes, right? Where they're, Oh, this isn't working out. So maybe we'll just go down and, and try to try to roll. I really hope that's not the case. Uh, I don't know that it was this time, or, or, and I know it wasn't the Orlando one uh, because I was talking to the person who 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 had, who had done it. Um, and but yeah, DNFing your qualifiers is starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Um, so who is that? But everybody can have their own weekend, though. You know, Steve's talked about it before. You know, everybody comes to these things for different reasons. I get that, but uh, yeah. Uh, I, that's all I have to say about it, I guess. DNFing, yeah. losing. Yeah. Finish your rounds. Daniel Kalashevsky. Now, I, I, let me correct something I, I missaid on the last podcast. Um, is I, I, I said that Missouri was his first cut made. I, I, that was a mistake. I believe he made the cut in Wisconsin earlier this year. Uh, so it was his second cut. Uh, yeah, that's when, that's when Luna shot like a four better on him yeah. in the first round. Yeah. So that yeah. makes sense. A player of his caliber coming away with a thirty-point weekend is a problem. Well, uh, well, maybe not a problem, but right now he's sitting twenty-eighth in points. All right, to really help himself in this whole point situation to get into the most lucrative player of the year tournament we've ever had. You know, having a thirty-point is is basically you might as well not go play in the tournament. So he's he, he texted me today. He's coming to he'll, he'll be playing the clash. Uh, he, he texted me today, uh, but not the results he wants for especially for a player of his caliber. He needs more points, especially to help him 
And don't be a guy that went all went to all six tournaments and didn't get into that. I mean, field. Don't. I mean, especially a guy that can contend. So Daniel, yeah, Daniel kind of lost the tournament. Anybody have anybody else? He's been to all four so far. Uh, yeah, he's been to all of them, and he'll be at the Clash, and I expect him to be in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, anybody else lost the tournament? Uh, I I had Ryan on mine as well, but you guys hit all the points there. Uh, yeah. I did text him after the before the match play before. Uh, after the qualifier, what the heck happened? Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, basically response was, hey, thanks for, you know, give me the paper cut and pouring lemon juice in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he says he hasn't missed a, made a purple bracket since 2014. So he's either going to go dominate or it's going to be a short day. And uh, unfortunately it went to short day. Uh, but if he was up, if he was up playing qual or, you know, match play matches Saturday night after for mobile, then. Maybe, maybe that was it. I saw him warming up with Puff behind the booth there uh, Sunday morning. So, uh, yeah, that, that was all I had, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mark, uh, Burns, you got another one or is that it? I got one more and, and, and I could have, you know, gone away with not mentioning this name. Uh, new, newer guy to the Golden Tee in the last few years, a guy that's been playing great Golden Tee. Um, uh, going just – on his way to being a consistent top eight, top six player in every tournament, um, doesn't qualify well, ends up playing Ryan McCook in the first round, who also didn't qualify well, beats him. Um, CJ uh, plays Andy Fox his second round. Um, you know, to to be one of the best, you got to beat the best. Andy Fox is one of the best, and when when you and and. In, he went one and two. He got 17 to 24. He He's better than that. Obviously, you you kind of can't pick and choose where you're at in the bracket because you never know how those cookies are going to crumble. Um, but when you get through that McCook match, that is you. that's more momentum than you need to find a way to, to beat your hometown rival, you know. Um, and then playing a, a guy that you said that won the tournament, Gino, and Gary Sheldon, uh, I, I was talking to CJ after the fact, and you gave up four strokes on, on a hole. And um, those are things that you just – you can't let that happen if, if you want to be one of those consistent top eight, top six guys. So um, I know that he will make more runs down the road, um, but I, I'm sure he's extremely you know disappointed with how the weekend went. Well, his first match against Ryan was on the stream machine, and I think Mouth and Chad were commenting on that one. And – uh, you know, it went quite a few extra holes, but the consistent theme from from Mouth and, and Chad, and I agreed with it as they were saying it, was was the whole match. He seemed like the player between the two. And, you know, Ryan just kind of goes, goes and does a thing, but the whole match, CJ was was had the, had the stature of somebody in the in the kind of the, the movement about him of somebody who was very confident that he was going to win that match, that he was the better player in the match, and then he ended up winning in the in the extras. You know, uh, and so. I was surprised as you to see one and two after, after that match, right? He said, uh, extras is going to take a little bit out of you, but it was his first one of the day. So you should be okay there. Uh, stamina wise specifically. So I was, I was also very surprised to see that. The two and one thing I do want to add, you know, in uh, case you guys are wondering why McCook ended up being the 21st qualifier. He I took said, eight I, yeah, Tem- I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm temple hold six. He, he hit a, a shot. It, it was a weird kind of look underneath that little thing or whatever, the tunnel, whatever it's called. Um, he caught that. It bounced in a weird spot. He went to go chip it into the grass, take a shot to the green. It gave him um, or out of bounds. 
So, yeah. uh, so, that's, so that's kudos to, you go ahead and you make the decision to take your medicine anyways. And then you get, then you get stymied from, from, uh, even after you've made the good decision to, to do the medicine shot. Yeah. And so th- those are two guys that they will be playing each other many, many times throughout these tournaments in the years to come. I doubt we will ever see that happen again in the first round. Um, I've got, a, a maybe a couple more here. Uh, for who kind of lost this tournament. Chris Brewer, just this one and two, it's not Chris Brewer's character. It's not who he is. Chris Brewer kind of mm-hmm. lost the tournament with one and two. Uh, and then uh, we'll get the this last one here, and uh, we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, he also lost the tournament, which was Mark Gomez. And uh, w- w- despite everything with the great qualifier – and uh, I don't know, maybe feeling some real magic in the air. Um, a moment happened on the 17th hole of Hidden Temple um, where Mark had, and throughout the match, would press the pause button, rub the trackball down to make it clean like a lot of players do with a towel, and then go proceed with the putt. Well, on that green, he appears to have, in my view, pressed the wrong button and then raise the towel now brian being that we've had enough dialogue here in the last 48 hours from your immediate reaction to it i'm going to allow you to have the floor and explain uh things that were in the moment yeah so i i mean first off i'd like to to say how blessed i am to be the one guy that was part of the the glitch with the mccook and Grover match, calling that real time, <laughs> getting the get, getting the the immediate live, you know, slow mo replay fed to me, you know, from the, the the great streamers or the you know Andy and, and PJ, and, and being able to you know dissect that and kind of watch over in the background, you know, Clint talking to all them. So I, here I thought that okay, we've had our drama for the year, and then this happens, and um, I. My immediate was reaction was, as everybody you know heard, was you you give them that stroke. Um, it was a twenty eight foot uh, down five left nine putt. Uh, Gomez hit his shot and he put it where he, it was a conservative shot, but he kind of put it where he wanted to. He did. Uh, uh, it's unfortunate what happened and you know, should Evan have given him the stroke? That's, that's the question everybody's asking. Um, looking through the chat as I, after I made that call and after I was, you know, very surprised at the, where the match had ended up and everybody was saying, you don't, you know, Hey, you, user error, you don't give it to him. I give it to him. That's me. Yeah. I, that's just the person that I am. I'm not going to win that way nothing against how anybody else is just because you wouldn't give him the stroke doesn't mean you're a bad person um yeah. that's just that's just who i am how i am um i was it a gimme putt i i say 95 percent of the time he makes that putt um i just uh you, you know we could debate this and say well what if it was a 60 footer i don't know yeah but in this situation, it was a 28-foot. Now, I also know that they both missed putts in the previous hole. The nerves were there. The, the, you know, so those are things. Um, but uh, I 
say say I'm in Evan's shoes at that point. Obviously, first I need to make the main bracket, and first I got to win a bunch of matches. But you know, say I'm Evan right there, and say I I do what he did, I move on, and I beat Haas, and then I end up double dipping Luna, and I win the tournament. It feel kind of weird. Like it'd be like, all right, sweet, I I won, I won this event. You know, thank goodness Gomez wiped the track ball. You know, and otherwise I probably wouldn't have been in this situation and I wouldn't want that feeling in the back of my head. And that's, so it's nothing against what Evan did. I mean, I know 90% of the people out there probably do the same thing. I'm just, uh, I'm just different that way. Yeah. Matt, just uh, some reactions on when it happened. Just just, what what was going on? Well, yeah, I was watching the stream at that point. Um, uh, and that and that match in particular, obviously, was the was the one on the stream there. Uh, I saw and it as I watched, I watched it again later, uh, you know, hours later, um, and it all happened much faster to me the second time. The first time it happened, I was watching and I saw him reach up, and to me, it looked like slap red button, uh, which uh, you know you want to hit yellow there. That's yellow is the one that gets you to the screen. Uh, slaps red button, and I, and I shout through my team. My kids were here, and they're like, "Why are you yelling at this?" <laughs> I tried, I'm trying to shout and stop Mark Gomez from going and wiping the ball. And he does, and you can see his face. He doesn't look at the screen at all, right? He hits the button. He, just, he does what he thought he was supposed to do. He starts going. And then he hears, I'm sure he hears the machine go, oh, and he's like, wait. And that you, I feel for him. Cause I, you know, not in that hate. situation necessarily, but you just, you're, the blood just leaves your body. What did I just do? Right. You cannot believe it. You're waiting for that whole, you know, woke up. Okay, no, that was just a really bad five-second dream that I just had, you know, like in the, in, the, in the TV shows or whatever. So I feel for him that way. Um, in the chat, like you said, uh, certainly the overriding opinion was, uh, was there, you know, that was not an ode stroke. Um, I, I tend to agree with uh, the, 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 the masses there uh, that not an owed stroke by any means it's, it didn't seem like Evan had even seen what really happened which wouldn't surprise me at all right he hits his shoddy points uh, he walks away he's talking to somebody and so now you're turning around to a situation where obviously you've got a playing competitor uh who's one of your friends and he's super you know he's I wouldn't say super upset not the right way to put it but you know he's you know if he's not making his putt right now if he's going and talking to you about something something's awry and you don't know what's going on so I he you know he he's in a weird spot right there automatically My, in my head, to me, to my own experiences, uh, I go back. I had a match against a guy uh, where, you know, you know, sometimes if you go to thumb it, some people go to thumb it and they put their fingers too close to the ball and it goes back that little click and then it goes nowhere. That's what I said about my life. My opponent had that happen to him and I saw it. Um, and, and, you know, in the situation, I was kind of in the same boat as you at that time, Bernsey. It was one of those where, uh, you know, I ended up giving him that stroke. But then the exact same match, about four or five holes later, the exact same thing happened again. At that point, I was like, look, it happened once. We talked over. I told you why it happened. Haas was next to us. He told you why it happened. Obviously, you're not going to change your whole pattern in five holes. But at the same point, I can't just keep giving you strokes for this technique that you're using that's, that's costing you to do this. So uh, you're like you said, 29 versus 60 feet versus two feet. That plays a little bit, and then I think this is the other aspect, right? Okay, well, I give it to him this time. Does I mean I have to give it to him every time from now on out, or do I, you know, do I decide not to later? And then it, it's it's a weird thing. And so, 
uh, I, I do tend to agree with the people in the chat that you just got to be consistent with the whole thing. And, and in that case, you know, like you said, Mark, Mark's in control of the board at that point. And anything that happens there, uh, the Grover situation, a little bit different, right? Sure. Uh, after we watched that a couple of times, but uh, you're, you're the one in control of what's going on there. If you, you know, we've all, we've all missed a roll spin button or, uh, you know, we've got the wrong spin. We've all missed a T height from time to time. That's what led to the Colonel Mustard incident, by the way, for anybody who's that story. Um, and so, you know, we've all been there. And I think in the end, from a tournament perspective, you got to be consistent with how that gets applied because otherwise you're relying on the judgment call of people. And that I don't, it's not fair to the person that, that is your playing opponent there to, to even force that decision on them, in my opinion. It just have it be, you know, you're in control of the board. What happens, happens. Move on. And it's interesting you say that, Matt. I mean, the, the, luckily, these situations are happening on stream machines, you know, and you know, I was talking to several people after all that happened, you know, um, about, about it all. And I, I got an opportunity to talk to Mark immediately after, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was beat down pretty good. Honestly, rejected. he was, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, uh, one thing like in the future, what I would like to see happening more of is if, if the two players can even just kind of like go off the screen, have a little chat, talk to, Sobel, the tournament director about it, say, this is what happened. Um, you know, just have that little talk off camera real quick yeah. and then come back, <clears throat> go back to the hole, you know, maybe, maybe let, let the guys in the stream know it, almost like an instant replay kind of thing like they have in, in the professional sport uh, events. Yeah. Just say, hey, to we, we get some context. We've decided people to watching. do this and the show's. Well, What's that, Gina? As you're. As you're saying, sorry, I jump in here, but as you're saying this too, Brian, I'm I'm reminded, and it's interesting that it was Evan was was the opponent, right? I'm reminded of Worlds, uh, yeah. two years ago, the, the and Evan's qualifier. He he got the low instead of the high T on Cat Nine, put himself in a pretty unmakeable spot. Really, he was going to drop multiple strokes because of that error, you know. I and he the qualifier. You're talking about right? He got it. He got the tournament directors over there. Said, "Here's what happened." Um, and and the ruling is actually kind of like what I was talking about before. It's like, hey, you're in control of the buttons yeah. uh, before you hit your shot. And so, sorry that that happened, but hit your second shot, sir. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I in real well. First off, I can tell you that uh, in Florida, I think it was two or three years ago, uh, I was leading Lee Chepanik by. I think one stroke um, or it, it, it might have been leading by two strokes. And then going into Dodge 17, it was uh, about a 16-foot putt uh, down seven left two. And I putted that motherfucker right in the water. And uh, I ended up losing the match. So I, I, I have a hard time, especially in high-pressure moments, to attest that anything's a gimme. So at 28 feet, down five, left nine, that's a hard thing for me to say that it would have been a guaranteed for him to make that putt. And I know it's an honest mistake, um, but given the circumstances, I got to see that man make that putt. I mean, that's just and that's just me. And, and uh, like I said, once again, we can debate that all the blue. Brian, I, honestly, we know that you're just reacting to the situation. No ill feelings or anything like that. We all know this. Um, all good. All good. So, but yeah, 
That's in, in a sense. Bar, Bar Gomez kind of won. Big high-low weekend. That's just a high range of emotions, riding as high as you can do, and then just – that's a bad beat. Uh, and and he's, he's, he did still get – he didn't lose after 18. Yeah. He did still have that sudden death that's opportunity. Correct. You know, yeah. and then he ended up missing that. It was a pretty simple putt. I think he was in the print or something like that. But but at that point, I mean, he was, you know, just – the he whatever run that he was on throughout the whole weekend. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So let's uh let's move on to this uh, fantasy uh, – or the Steve Sobel fantasy golden tee recap here and just to kind of see uh, how everybody did. Um. First off, because Matt, I mean, studied really hard and uh, to be able to come to the conclusion to pick Paul Luna for this tournament, uh, <laughs> I, I I admire your uh, I admire your gutsiness there. And, so, yeah, guts is definitely what it took. Um, yeah. I, I will point out though that uh, Brian's pick of Evan Gossett uh, beat my pick of Paul Anthony Luna by two points. Gossett with his course wins uh, had a minus nine, and Luna. Didn't win any courses, but won the tournament. So that's a one minus eight for minus seven points there. So uh, congrats, Brian. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then the Clint, didn't Clint Grover take a course? He did. He was a four pointer at uh, seventh place, uh, minus the three for the win. Okay. Didn't feel terrible about that pick at all. Okay. I'd do it again. I'd do it again. Absolutely. And here, and this is the point I've been trying to make as we've started doing these is that, you know, we think real, real hard about groups one and two because it's fun to talk about who could win the tournament, who's going to win courses, who's going to do this, you know, all the fireworks and things like that. We talked all about that. And, and you you know, at the biggest spread here, Brian, to you, is 13 points in that first group that, that's, that's been lost. Mm-hmm. Watch what happens when we get to these bottom groups. Yeah. This is getting really interesting coming up. Uh, we both uh, went with the Eddie G pick, 9-12. I would say a little underperforming a little bit for that guy. Um, but yeah. not, not, not a terrible pick, but, and then Bernsey wins the, wins the round with the Mark McClevich pick. So I guess that's the second one he wins. So Bernsey's yeah, up. Both of those two groups. Two. And then, uh, I did my research. All right. Uh, two, yeah. <laughs> two, two Steve Beatty picks, uh, from me and Matt Van Hoosier and Johnny Daher is, uh, they all finished in the same place, 1724. Yep, no blood there. No blood there. So uh, now here's where things get interesting. Um, poor Ryan's <laughs> poor Ryan Sparks lost the tournament. Poor Ryan Sparks lost the tournament. Uh, I had him. He had him. You know, um, I'm sure he's a little bit disappointed. I, we got to stop calling that guy out in this podcast. He's not going to want to. Do I get any extra points since he played mobile the weekend or no? Uh, he should. I mean, it's there's there's a lot going on there. Uh, Squeaky Bob, who uh, made a purple bracket run to uh, get him a – what is that, 34 points, right? 34 is what he had. Obviously, like we talked about in the, in the pod there, though, group four, you're looking for main bracket quals, plain and simple. That's You know, you had Kyle Heasley. He went 0-2, but he gets 25 points. You pick up nine just because he had a better Saturday than Robert did. Yeah. Uh, Robert obviously unarguably had a much better Sunday than Kyle did. Yeah. Uh, as far as the golden tee is concerned, at least, but uh, it doesn't matter. You need to have both day. You need to, really need to have the Saturday first before you can have a Sunday uh, when it comes to the fantasy golf. Oh, for sure. Um, and then this is where oh. they, things get oh. choppy. Oh. Jason Graham. Oh. Buddy, um, my only my only pink bracket pick in the whole mix, by the way. Oh. Everybody else on my picks made purple or better. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, 
it is great but yeah. you know not only did he make pink though he, he didn't finish all that well in pink all right i'm gonna that need to these these final scores when we're getting done uh daniel kalashevsky you know we oh, i think we kind of talked about him earlier uh that was a brian bernhardt pick um uh, just wasn't his best tournament Brendan Neve coming through for me. I, I tell you, that guy is good. Watch for him in a future tournament. That guy, he, I feel like good. I talked you into it when we were doing the pod. Oh no, I, I've, I've been in since I met the guy. He uh, he can <laughs> he can play some tea. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of experience with him. Uh, two Evan Scanlon picks kind of helped himself in, especially in his points chase this year. Um, let's stop for yeah. a second. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's. Stop. I was wondering if you're going to do this later. Well, no, we'll, we'll talk about him now. Let's talk about him now because. Uh, okay. oh, Old Pinky Robert Thompson, uh, Mr. Pink. Uh, I guess he was playing at some point, and I, I just looked at this right before the podcast. First uh, round. In the, in, it was in the first round of the mm-hmm. round, Monte, one. Uh, round one of the purple bracket, Monte Zabios. Uh, they get to the 18th hole. And uh, with against Adam Fitzgerald. Against Adam Fitzgerald. Robert Thompson has honors and then chooses to turn off quick shot. Mr. President. No, it's the um, shot meter. I mean, shot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Quick shot. Shot meter. Turns well, the shot meter off. On Monte Zabios 18, if you turn off quick shot, I think you should be. De- yeah. You should be. That's not right. Anyways, yeah. but, but it was okay. a shot meter. Yeah. Turn off um, shot meter. Now, Mr. President, can you go ahead and just briefly give us the synopsis of the rules of, uh, uh, on power, basically, what, what's the rules of the shot meter now? Following directly in line with what IT had laid out for the world championships, where you have to show the shot meter, you have to show the shot meter. Mark Stenmark, when we first started with this, was one of the biggest uh, contrarian points, adversaries, however you want to say that. He, he really didn't want to do that. And for all the obvious reasons, right? If you've got honors and somebody can see what you just did, they get an advantage from that. Yep. That's true. Turn on the shot meter. That's the rule. Leave it on. That's the rule. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Luckily, um, luckily in this match, it didn't matter. Uh, Pink landed the green. Fitz landed the green. I asked Fitz about it at, uh, uh, over IM after it happened, and he he said he didn't even notice. He probably wouldn't, he wouldn't even pay attention, so he didn't didn't see it anyways. But but that's not the point. Well, the commentator. Why did you either. don't do that? <laughs> Yeah, the commentators didn't either. Uh, yeah, Mouth was calling the match. Yeah, they, and, yeah, they didn't see it either. Yeah, they, they didn't see it. Somebody announced it uh, on the uh, – or I guess in the chat at the time that he had turned off yep. his quick shot meter. Um, Robert Thompson, act better. All right? Come on. Be dude. better. Yeah, be better, be better. Act better. All right? Just, you know, that's something we don't do. Let's follow the rules. Um, don't be that guy. Well, and let's and – let's, let's... – uh, branch off from this for just a second because, and I, I don't like where this is going to go, but let's compare this to the PGA real quick. Let's do it. You've got hundreds of people on this stream watching this match. They all see the rules infraction. Mm-hmm. Fitz didn't. Okay. What if Fitz waters there? Makes birdie, loses the match. Now you've got a couple hundred people with our very snazzy, fast mobile devices that can spread this information in a, in a microsecond. Show clips, you know, Corey Neely can cut a clip in about eight and a half seconds. Hell yeah. Send it, post it, right. He's proven it with Kevin's hole in one, which was awesome, by the way. Kevin, good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, <laughs> what do you think of the tournament director at this point, though? And you get this. Now, what? Now, you don't, I mean, you've got enough going on on Sunday. You don't want to have to put up with those. Now, granted, you're the tournament director. This is your job to put up with these kind of things. 
and have to deal with them. But this is one you just shouldn't have to deal with. Do we, know what, do we know what the actual penalty is if we if something were to be discovered? Is it an automatic disqualification, or do we know? I mean, uh, do, have we ever discussed know. this? I, I, I've not. I've yeah. not discussed it. Right, and it, right. It's one of these things where, you know, Steve and I, uh, we talk about this from time to time. To, uh, I like to assume that adults can be adults and do what they're supposed to do. It's Steve, terrible. as anybody who knows Steve. Uh, knows that he thinks the exact opposite most of the time, that he assumes that we're all <laughs> incapable of doing anything for ourselves. And then if you don't make it as absolutely simple and black and white as possible, one of us is going to find a way to screw it up. And, and here we are. Uh, if I'm fun. the tournament director right there, <laughs> if somebody approaches me with that situation, I'm the tournament director, I hand Anna Fitzgerald the win. Yes. Because it's the last hole and it directly affected the outcome of the match. Yeah. But not wrong there's right there's there's uh oh well oh, he did it for one shot on hole three and they both made birdie so who cares well kind of so yeah. do i kick the, do i disqualify the guy at that point i sure don't want to yeah but, but adults yeah just but adults now, here's an interesting point yeah uh, how many tournaments has robert been now i'm just playing devil's advocate here did he maybe not know the rule or do they need to make sure they address their rule along with the long list of rules they already have to address before every tournament? Uh, I think it's a fair point to address that pre-tournament in the, in the speech that we give uh, from the Calcutta. Uh, I can tell you what my, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Sobel will say, it won't matter because none of you fuckers listen anyways, while we're doing <laughs> yeah, which sure. is mostly true because we get the same questions every single time that we cover up front every single tournament from people that have been at tournaments before. Uh, my, my counterpoint to you uh, on him not knowing the rules, if he didn't want to show a shot meter, do it on hole one. 100%. If, if, you, if, if it wasn't devious, you do it on hole one because you don't want to show him your shots. Yes. Got it. Got it. He didn't want to show him that shot. Yes. 100% he correct. He knew. He yeah. Be better, Robert. Perfect. All right. Adult. Moving on. Moving on. Um, Thank you. Adult. Group seven, uh, the Josh. No, you're right. Seven. I'm sorry. Sorry. Josh Mertzig uh, was uh, the winning pick there because uh, Bacon, I guess, the last two courses was not his best courses. Uh, and Russ Green decided to keep it in Indianapolis. So uh, I guess this would have been a disqualifying uh, entry for me. Well, you would have gotten to pick a different person. Yeah. Right. If you well, you're no, so you wouldn't have your remote, uh, so you probably wouldn't have gotten to pick a different person at that point. Well, we'll, we'll no. talk about that here in a second because I want to see the final results because uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second, sure. Um, and then the final group, and uh, this is the, the big thing here, mm -hmm. uh, but now it may not be so big because there's a pink bracket guy that probably got picked a lot in group five. Group seven, I mean, Todd Clark was a pink bracket guy. we got a lot of that going on. Picking Randy Critchlow in group eight, I mean, that's the win. That gets you the yeah. most game in the group, in a group. I mean, so. Yeah, this goes back to what we're, what we're talking about in group one there. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're fighting about this, that, and the other with uh, winning courses, winning matches, winning tournaments in group one. In group eight, I got 65. He went 0-2 in the purple. Yeah. So I get 65 points. Or no, 1-2, whichever Yes, uh, 61 points is what I have written down, anyways. Yeah. The, the two pink bracket picks, 109 and 120, 129. So I'm picking up roughly 60 points on you guys there. Yeah. By knowing 
a purple bracket qualifier in group eight versus being super smart. There's nothing you're going to do in groups one or two to pick up 60 points no. unless the guy right. just breaks his arm and plays the rest of the matches with his toe. Okay. You're not, not going to pick up 60 points in any, I'll, you know, I'll actually say probably the first four groups. Yeah. But in group eight and group seven, you sure can. So fantasy players out there, uh, we talked about, think about our, our, our chat about group eight on how we did this, right? Sure. You knew Billy Reed. I knew Randy Critchlow. Bernsey, I don't think you really had experience with hardly any of these guys, but uh, no, no, you're he, right. Yeah, he, same he, with Jonathan he, Munn on he, the whim. He made the Matt Elsner pick for Jonathan Munn. That, right, yeah. So, so uh, going to tournaments and playing with other players has its distinct fantasy advantages as well. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking real quick of, of Jonathan Munn, shout out to him for nailing money shot late night Saturday night. He, he got like a oh, did 2.4 incher, yeah. Oh, did he? <laughs> so, yeah. He, it was like yeah, 300 he, or something? Yeah, 300. It was funny. He was playing like next to Danny Boy. Danny Boy, you know, gets all wild and crazy. Yeah, he, he totally won a money shot Saturday night. So Oh, that's great. I'm pretty sure that was him. Very nice. Always like that. Um, yeah, 2.546 inches. GT Munchkin. Jonathan hey, sort of, dude. Yeah. So, Gino, to your totals there, if I've got my numbers right anyways, I think I've got a 295, which isn't great, but isn't terrible, I suppose. Uh, Burnsy struggled with the uh, bottom half of the bottom, well, two-thirds of the groups there. We're rounding to halves here, not thirds. Purple and pink bracket entries. And, Gino, I, you're 226 without the seven-rounder. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, where if you would have picked it, you know, we talked about this a little bit between the two of us. If you were going to get to pick another person like you would have if you were at the tournament, you were kind of on Josh Bertzig uh, the same as I was. And so that would have been sufficient for you to win between the three of us. Yeah. But um, I'm going to be surprised because I were, um, you know, we did that podcast about two weeks, about a week and a half before uh, the tournament. Um, and uh, since then, I went on vacation, uh, came back and never once one of these out so i'm going to see how curious i am if this wins because if it does uh, yeah this would be another one of those moments where you know i hope it's a fifth place i really do I hope it's like you're, one you're spot yourself with a with a mertzig pick there and wondering if that'll win well no Wait. well even if i did but like i said at russ green i mean he would have given me an opportunity to change that if i did if i would have turned it in like say the day after i did the podcast you know he had to give me yeah. an opportunity to change it i would have changed it to mertzig Okay. And so, um, so that would give you what two sixty five two sixty five is your number. Did sure. you put your name on it, Gino, or no? No, no, <laughs> I didn't. No, no. Uh, I, and I put the name CeeLo. See if he sees uh, see what that name is. Um, uh, so I we'll see if yeah, I. Yeah, I think. Oh, well, uh, it does. If anybody, well, and and remember, uh, winner of the tournament and loser of the tournament, Mark Gomez was in Group Three. Yep. And I told Viz up. And he actually had a minus 13. So that's one in group three where you had a chance to pick up a good over even our decent picks. We all got 17s there. He had picked up 30 points on us yeah. uh, by picking Gomez out of the group three. So that's a big swinger right there too if any, for the folks that had him. And at this point uh, with the GC Fantasy Golf, um, Team Wisconsin, right? Dave Sandmeyer, Mark Gomez, yeah. who's who's next? Well, uh, Painter Jim. It's, Fitz, right? Fitz is up there. Grover's up there. These are people that uh, oh, Grover's going well, to be a first grouper, right? So he's not the really argument. But Fitz is one of those guys who's, if he gets in this thing, it's, he's going to be a group six kind of guy, probably group five kind of guy. Can definitely win you a pink purple bracket. We know he can win pink brackets. 
Yeah. Uh, that's not what you want, but he can do it at least. Uh, but he, I mean, he was fourth in the purple bracket this this, this tournament. So, yeah, that's that's. Uh, if you're picking fantasy right now, and you've seen the last two tournaments, Team Wisconsin have been your standout guys. So, I wouldn't be surprised at all seeing Adam Fitzgerald on the next tournament that he attends. Uh, he's not expected to be at the Clash. I think everybody and their brother will be in Dallas, uh, but. He, uh, I think he'll save it probably for that last tournament uh, in Dallas. Uh, just a quick look at the points uh, before we head on out. Um, you know, we're two tournaments away, and this is what I've said about this tournament we're going to really promote. If you need points, the Carolina Clash has points. And if, uh, if you want some, we'll give them plenty of them out. Uh, you know who number 33 is right now? I do not. It's Matt Van Hoosier. <laughs> Familiar spot. Uh, number 33 right now. Brian Bernhardt is – hold on, I saw it earlier. I believe I'm 22nd. I just checked earlier. Oh, 22nd. Yeah, 22nd. Wow. And then here's uh, Chris Longino with uh, two tournaments under his belt this year and 42nd probably needing a really good Carolina clash, which uh, we'll see what happens. I don't have to run a tournament this year, so I'm uh, – that is very helpful. I'm I'm looking forward to having a great playing tournament. Um, right. and one thing I do want to add, Gino, I, I was checking out some of the interesting stats on the PEGT stat. All right. And one thing that I came across was Paul Luna has a total of 223 wins since the gotcha. inception of, of the PEGT tour. He's one win away from tying Evan, who currently has 224. I don't think Evan will be in Columbia. So assuming that Luna, you know, is there, he will surpass Evan. Um, right now, he is currently 41 behind Mark Stenmark. <laughs> so now, you know, if he keeps on going through winning six every Sunday uh we're looking at maybe seven Dallas. Tournaments? Maybe, seven more tournaments maybe, then? yeah maybe dallas of next year wouldn't it be something to see paul luna battling with mark stenmark to take over the total wins in the history of the power events golden tea tour that would be awesome uh, that would be really spectacular. I mean, 41 wins behind. Uh, they they started playing about the same time. I think Mark was a little in front of Paul. Um, obviously, Mark got good at the game before Paul did, uh, which helped him build this lead. But when was the last time Mark played a peg event? Right. Houston, I think, 2018? I think Austin. Austin? Was he at Austin? Yeah, he's in Austin. Yeah, he's Austin. Okay. Yeah, because well, he... I was just, what I was pulling on there was that, you know, he's, he's been retired for a little while. He, he's been pulling zeros as far as wins these last uh, several tournaments. And Paul's been pulling nothing but sixes and he's 41 wins behind him. Right. And then insane well, to think we've about. Been but this, it, we've been, we've, this, the, the theme of this week on GT fan obviously has been, uh, you know, Luna the goat, Luna the goat. And I thought that somebody's analogy uh, that all these guys are, are, are the guys who tell me that LeBron's the goat was a great one. Uh, Paul's playing very, very well. 
you don't understand what Mark was doing when Mark did what Mark did. Yeah. If you if you think Luna's the goat. Yeah. No. It's a fun and topic to talk about. Is, and I tried to it, counterpoint it with with kind of similar as you're doing, Bernsey, to get that consecutive win streak. Luna has to win every match from now until the uh, he has to become king of the hill in the player of the year in Dallas to pass the 34 in a row that Mark had uh, match streak before. I and mean, that's just losing one match, not a tournament or anything. Yeah. That's losing a match. He's got to get all the way to the, be the king of the hill of the player of the year in, in Dallas this year to, to beat that streak, which and, even to hear it right now, is just like, no, you don't do that. But he's halfway there. Yeah. So, so, and since we're talking about him, I'm going to take this opportunity to, I'm going to give a shout out to Andy Haas because we, we know he is also one of the greatest of all times. Absolutely. And I, I, I saw on Facebook today, they were comparing, you know, how, you know, I think it was Jimmy comparing Haas versus Luna and how Haas has more wins or whatnot. But I, I get to see it firsthand in person, you know, watching, you know, I was right next to Haas playing Luna and like Luna holds out and it's just like, the old Haas finds a way to hold out right after that. He doesn't make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. We, we need to see Andy. I mean, he's he's a he's the only guy that's going to knock Luna out of this streak. Do you do you think? Now I'm being a little funny here, uh, and you'll see why in just a second. Do you think we will see a return of the Sunday pink shirt? Well, I know he lost it several years ago, but um, I mean, you can buy I, pink shirts, right? I mean, oh, I mean, you can he, wash a white one with your red clothes. <laughs> he he re, he, re, he kind of retired it in two thousand seven, and uh, you know, I remember he showed up in Richmond and, because I was standing next to Litz at the time, and he was wearing his pink shirt on Saturday. And uh, oh, you can't! No, you can't do that. You don't wear tiger. You don't wear Sunday red on Saturday. And, and, me, and me and Litz looked at him like, "What, what, what are you wearing?" And I'm like, "What's going on here?" He goes, "I got a little something different for Sunday. I'm not doing that anymore." And he came in with this striped pink button-up shirt. I mean, he looked like he was dressed for his local country club, like Andy Haas would probably dress like. And he, you know, it was just a little dapper version of a pink shirt, but he never wore a pink shirt on Sunday at any time after that. That was, that was it. Um, just because I think Lutz was kind of catching steam at the time and the pink shirt wasn't working for the mojo. That's kind of, I think, the reason. I may ask him that again just when I see him again. And, and um, speaking of apparel, you know, like, did you guys happen to notice what I was wearing on Sunday? What was that? Yeah, it, what, tell me what that was. Did I, did, did I lose a match? No, <laughs> you had what you had your, your it was a polo, right? Just a just a I, normal polo. I, I had a polo. I, I had so here's the true story behind it. I had a shirt to wear for uh Sunday to help promote my location, and it just said the field house, Alexis, Illinois. Um, I was planning on wearing that Sunday, I was gonna, you know, go on a good run. I had my Cub shirt on. Um, well, that'll lose you. The, don't do that. Uh, I was on the stream machine. I'm like, well, I'm on the stream machine now. So just in case I don't go on a good run Sunday, I'm going to wear my, my field house shirt today, you know? And so, uh, um, and then I had the, the hat is supporting a, a team sport that, that the new owner created, you know, but I didn't want to wear one of my PEGT tour shirts on Sunday. And all I had left was a polo shirt just in case I went out to dinner. So <laughs> threw the polo shirt on the hat matches, matches yeah. the shoes also. And 
Um, I think you will see me in a polo and a new tradition on Sunday. Yes, <laughs> indeed. I'm going to get a little I, creative with it going forward. Well, and that's funny that you mentioned that I, I, you know, last clash that I was at where I, you know, I won my first three matches there, which I've never done before. I think I talked to you about at the bar there at one point, Bernie was like, Hey, I've never been three, you know, one of these things. That's kind of fun. I had to play warm up matches to keep going. It's, it was weird. I wasn't just, you know, sitting back drinking beers with the rest of the one and two guys, but I wore a polo that day. Maybe there's something to this. Hmm. Yeah. I, I did in St. Louis and I paid the price. I went on two. So maybe, maybe, a, maybe a Sunday photo thing is something we got to look into. Yeah. And maybe something that Andy has to look into also. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, one thing we do know about Sunday apparel that uh, Paul will probably be wearing is Meshuggah shirt. Is or oh, yeah, Meshuggah. He, he had the Astros thing going pretty. It was the Meshuggah uh, underneath it. I, I'm not sure, but it's it, it was maybe it was inside out. It was always, you know the Astros thing. I saw that. Um, I'm not going to bang on that. You drum for you, you you mentioned Andy Haas. Um, He's uh, he is officially signed up to come play in the Carolina Clash. Um, nice. I smell something funky. All right, Andy Haas hasn't played every. Tur- Andy Plus has not played every single tournament on tour since the first year of the tour. And this will be the this will be the time this will be the second time he's ever done that because he'll play here and then he'll play Dallas. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I imagine I, that funky smell you smell is 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 anger. Uh, is anger okay? I think I, so. I, I, I <laughs> right. Okay. People were. Now, now, now here's some. Here's something else too, guys. And Andy needs to play more Golden Tee. He's at the point of his life right now where Golden Tee is not his top priority. Yeah. I think it's it's time for him to stop waiting until the week before a tournament and play Golden Tee. He needs to. He needs it two, three weeks before, or play a little bit. It, it's. Yeah, he's getting second place, which is which is awesome right. and great. Right, it I feels mean, weird to be criticizing but, what he's doing to prepare for tournaments. But, but the thing is, the only reason that we're able to sit here and criticize him is because he's mad at himself for not winning. It, it's first first or nothing for him, and and he knows that. So, um, you know, and I was talking to him about this weekend, and I'm like, hey, I, I saw you were out practicing this week for the tournament again. You know, like, yeah. maybe start a week earlier, Andy. Well, that's uh, okay. So that's... Andy, sorry, you know, real quick on Andy, one more thing. Anybody want to talk about the arrow switch? Opinions? We, we, we need to touch on that in a second, but just uh, let me finish my, my, my last point before we get there. Oh, sorry. Uh, as far as Andy's concerned this year, you're, you're telling me his motivation right now to come to these tournaments right now is because he's ready to beat the, he's ready to beat Luna. He wants to knock Luna off. He wants to be the guy. That's it. All right. That's interesting. I was thinking that uh, this could be like the farewell tour or something like that. Because I mean, oh, you're going that way with it. Yeah, I thought it could be. Honestly, I okay. mean, the, kid, the kid's getting older. I mean, uh, that that was a he's got the insurance agency now. I mean, if he had to step away from the game or something, then you know that well, could happen. But his, you know his 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 kids are you know school age now, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. he just one. He's, he's got one, but 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 if but. If you're as competitive as Andy Haas is, yeah, you're right. It, it, it maybe at farewell tour, I could see maybe after he beats Paul Luna. You, you're right. You're right. No, no. If, if he's motivated, you know, because he knows he can, and if we know if anybody's really capable of doing it, that's him. But you could pull an Elway. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Beat him. Beat him. Beat him in Dallas Player of the Year. Go out on top. Peace. Yeah. 
so that was kind of the interesting wrinkle for uh, Paul Luna winning uh, tournament. I think number ten of uh, his career and on the on the tour is uh, that last match was uh, was over after the first shot. Yeah, Fun. it was it was over right there, and uh, uh, Andy chose to make a make a ball switch. Now, anybody uh, dab in the arrows? I've heard Moth talk about it, but I haven't touched them. Yeah, anybody? Uh, I, I certainly haven't considered myself consistent enough at 180s to have any exactly kind of confidence that. that that's ever going to work for me. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and the other thing, too, is it's it's such a big gamble because it's one thing to play those. But I've never played them. I mean, we all know my I just I'm too lazy to change and all that stuff. But I, I've never played them. And to when you relying on the 180, like you mentioned, and going to these live tournaments where you're going to be playing on different track balls and, and machines are just all a bit different. It's hitting consistent it's 180s it's hard enough to do it at home let alone on a machine that you're not used to playing and it, one it, thing took, I do, it took some stones man it, well it one thing i do want to mention real quick that in a final yeah um before before we run out of time here gene i want to talk a little bit more about the nashville tournament i had an opportunity to talk to the general manager when things were over on monday and and uh well they're well, already planning for next year well let, let's let, let, let's finish the the paul luna the final okay. match talk before we get to that um, but just, uh, you know, but that was kind of a, first off, anybody tell me the benefit to an arrow before I have to go actually play this and find out what it is. What, what's the, what's the attraction here? So I'll talk about it for tropical, but the, th the theory is if you get an exact 180 shot, you know, any direction, but as long as you get your, your pullback and your push forward on the 180 line, that you get a bunch of extra distance out of them. Uh, oh. how much? I don't know, honestly. I, I Miles, if you, you could watch one of Miles' streams, and he'll probably tell you the distance is down to the, the inch or whatever. Uh, but, uh, but what I'll follow up with that is, is you know, people, yeah, they've used them on a couple of different courses to different various advantages. I honestly think I can see where, if you're confident in your ability to hit that 180, Pine is a course where you can really reap some advantages out of that because you're talking about potentially one two, three, uh, there's that drivable par four on the back that sometimes yeah. you know, on the qualifier didn't quite set up. Sometimes it's got that 380-ish look or it's got a big old braze in your face kind of thing where, you know, there's, That's there's the front a, nine. Yeah, it's, it's just, like six or something like it's that. Not, yeah, it's not just a one hole or a two hole thing on that course where those are going to be potentially a, a stroke advantage where you're talking about setups where you can gain four or five strokes on that course. 18 is another one yeah. uh, where you could gain a stroke definitely. there because of those, those balls. So, I, you know, strategically, I can see the value in it, but I don't have, again, for me, I don't have the ability to hit that shot when I absolutely have to every single time. And, and you, you brought up a very good point. Um, doing it across multiple different machines is, uh, or, or potentially a machine that you haven't even hit on yet yeah. uh, in a given weekend. That's uh, that's a little bit more than I'm willing to bite off. And then now, Matt, what, you guys are watching the stream. And I can't remember what match it was for, for Andy, but it was a, a match on Forest, and I was just talking to Andy previously about hole 16, the one that when you got the mm -hmm. far the, yeah, the box yeah. where it might be like 380, 390, and he had said that with the arrows, it, it'll I think it was like nine and a half driver high, gets over the trees on the right hand side, and I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. noticed this, and I, I can't remember what match it was, but he looked at it a couple times, like it, yeah, he, he was he, did, he, he was in it was just a couple before that, maybe it, it, McCook or something, I. I don't remember for sure either, but yeah, he, he gave it a hard, it was maybe Evans, it was the Evan match. He yeah, gave okay. it a hard one. 
he gave it a real hard look uh, and he, cause he knew he needed a stroke there. And then, yeah, like I said, he eventually decided against it. I think it was probably the right call. I don't think he had the arrows in that setup, but I don't know that I wasn't paying yeah, he, close enough attention at the beginning of the match. It, it still is really fun seeing these players in certain situations, depending where they're at in their match. And, and you see the, as fast as they play, I'm a fast player. Haas is one of the fastest ever that pause, like, what's going through his ooh, head you, you know ooh, it's, it's you know, and and even those shots like bringing up like that course uh, you know force Nall on hole 18 is being down the one um and, and you know and just like what are you aiming for the hole you know knowing that it's a difficult shot to land on the green and having to aim for the hole you know it's, it's really fun to watch their faces watch, watch them think those gears turning in their head what, what they're trying to what, what they're trying to figure out there yeah. I think it was you too, where you had played the setup already. Um, it was you, maybe it was mouth. I don't remember, but you, you guys had played the setup on that course already as part of one of your matches. And then saw we were announcing matches of people on that course and remembered some of the looks that were coming. It's like, it was just watch his face here. You're going to watch what happens to his face here. And sure enough, the players would come up and look up. It, it was a goal. When a Gomez's match, I think. Yeah. I, I remember. I think when, it was pine 18, maybe where they had a big gailer in his face. He's like, he's looking to get the stroke or not get the stroke. And he's like, watch his face here. And he'd look at it. He's like, Guess I'm laying up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, but now, uh, just to finish up on Nashville before we get to Brian's point, hasn't uh, lost since March. That's that's how long it's been. He has not lost since March. Not a power tournament. Not a back. Not the vector room tournament. Probably not. not a 15 man contest either, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my goodness. And he'll tell you on his true. own, he's not playing a whole lot of golden tea. No. Um, yeah, right now. He doesn't it, need to. Yeah, right now. It's it's hard to put in perspective, but this is a, this is a heater. This is a hell of a heater. Whatever and, he's doing, it's working. Oh, well, for sure. <laughs> it's working. Nice match. Hey guys, thanks for listening to part one of this podcast. Part two is coming up. I wanted to make you guys also aware that um, this week, also having Ryan Sparks, we're going to talk a lot of mobile, talk a little bit about him too, and uh, that may be a little bit arcade, but also uh, here in a couple weeks, major league podcast guest for me, uh, somebody that uh, I have always, always enjoyed a conversation with, and I'll be excited to have a conversation with him. Uh, we'll still, we'll keep that as a surprise for right now, uh, but appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. If you think somebody would like this, yeah, share it with them. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Thanks guys. We'll see you soon.